I'm a little dismayed that no one else is interested in this show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't understand why. I don't know either. Well, we need to explain in the next hour or whatever exactly why. Welcome to TV's season recap flash cast of Preacher. My name is Mose, and I am joined by Scotland's favorite son, James Thompson. It's nice of you to say so. Well, it's the truth. What am I, a lie? (laughs) So, we're here, just the two of us. We, we tried to get more people involved in Preacher, James. And, and what happened? Uh, nobody believed us. I mean, we, we were sort of sitting there preaching, as you will. And uh, yeah, everybody said, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe we'll give it a go. But n- nobody else seemed to really be interested. And I think they missed out on quite a lot. I think so, too. I mean, I remember watching the free free uh, ability to watch the first episode on iTunes. They gave it away for free. And it it just fell on deaf ears. You and I were like, ooh, there's something to this. This this is interesting. Yeah, I mean, for over here, it's up on Amazon Prime. So we were getting it week for week with the US. I think it was on, was it AMC there? Yes. Uh, and yeah, so didn't cost me anything. Um, and yeah, it, it, so I went into it and, you know, the, the signs were not good. It was like the sort of produced by and directed by and written by a bit uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, who'd done a lot of stuff together. Um, and one of the things superhero like that I'd seen of theirs was Green Hornet, which I didn't really like at all. Ugh. Yeah, And so that was not a good uh, thing in its favor. And I hadn't read the comics at all. But, you know, I'd heard sort of people saying that there was, you know, something to this. And I thought, we'll give the pilot a go, see what it's like. And it was, yeah, it was really surprising. And I mean, I think the the season as a whole, it has some problems, but it's definitely, uh, it's worth checking out. I mean, if you're going to watch a pretty hard-boiled comic adaptation show, I think this is the one you'd want to see. However, I think you touched on something. Something about Seth Rogen is very polarizing. And either you really love the types of things he does, or you can't stand it and you don't want any part of what he's touched. But I think this is really, you know, more of a, you know, it's certainly not a hot dog animated movie, for sure. Yeah, and I think the the showrunner on this was uh, Sam Catlin, Caitlin, who was a producer-writer on Breaking Bad. And apparently there are a number of Breaking Bad references spread throughout the show, which uh, went over my head because I didn't see Breaking Bad either. But... uh, I think that it might lean more towards that than it does to the Seth Rogen style. Absolutely. And in fact, I think you and I might agree that this season is a very, very slow burn. In fact, I think we kept saying that to each other. It's like, wow, when does something happen? I mean, it's not like it's boring. Don't get me wrong. It's just you're constantly waiting for that next foot to or the next shoe to drop, not the foot. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't want to compare this to like the the Netflix Marvel shows too much. Um, although I think it's still is up there in terms of cinematography and just production values. Oh, those shows. absolutely. Um, and you know, and and if I think if you like them, it's definitely worth giving this a go. Uh, but it's uh the differences like with the like you know the most recent se- series of Daredevil that we watched. 
uh, it all drops at once. So you get your, your 10, 13 episodes right there. And if you want to sit and watch them, you can. Uh, but with this, I was getting it on a week by week basis. And that was the, that was the, the problem with the show for me was, I mean, I didn't mind the fact that it was a slow burn, but you would get to the end of an episode and you'd think, I, now I need to wait a week for the next one, you know? And I think it might work a lot better if, if they had dropped all the episodes at once, because then you would, you know, you could watch it in two or three episode chunks and you would feel that you're getting more more plot for your uh, time. Quite true. And I, I gotta say, like, even the very start of this, and for any of you who have not seen this, um, this is going to be pretty, I mean, somewhat spoilerific. Um, I think we'll try to keep it light. Um, but some of the animations and some of the the way in which they tell stories, like, how this thing, let's just let's just go ahead and kind of break it down. Uh, Dominic Cooper plays Jesse Custer, who is a kind of failed preacher. Um, but at th- they do some intercutting, especially in in the beginning, with this thing that comes from outer space. That's what we're led to believe at first, um, and it enters other preachers all over the world and literally blows them up just destroys them including tom cruise uh it notes on various newscasts playing in the background that's right um yeah i mean so we should give a slight background to this and that it comes from uh a dc vertigo comic uh preacher by uh garth ennis and steve dillon and Garth Ennis was sort of Northern Irish uh, and then moved to America. Steve Dillon was English. And they both worked together on The Punisher uh, as well. And uh, it's interesting that there's a a lot of British talent involved in this. And it might not appear that way at first. So you've got uh, Dominic Cooper, who's playing the, the... the lead character, Jesse Custer. And he's British. Oh, he really? How, yeah. He played Howard Stark in the Agent Carter stuff. But no, he's British. So, uh, and he was also, uh, we have uh, Joseph uh, Guigan, who's uh, plays Cassidy, who's Irish, except he's not actually Irish. He's uh, English as well. Uh, we have Ruth Negger, uh, Tulip O'Hare, who uh, is Ethiopian slash Irish. What? Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, and I've not finished. And so we've got, and also uh, Ruth Neger and Dominic Cooper were both in the Warcraft movie, which I didn't see. Mm, but didn't uh, she was also, yeah, she was Raina in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, we have Lucy Griffiths, who's Emily, who's the um, the assistant to the preacher. Also English. What? <laughs> yep. Uh, we have the uh, the two angels who are also uh, British. Uh, we have the cowboy who's Graham McTavish who's Scottish. Uh, the mayor's Canadian. I mean, I don't know who's left in this. We've got uh, W. Earl Brown who's the sheriff who's American, and that's you know that's about it in terms of the main characters. Uh, Everybody wait else a minute. is. Jackie Earl Haley. Yes, true. I missed out Jackie Earl Haley. Uh, uh, who was Rorschach in Watchmen, which I didn't realize. Yes. Uh, but yeah, of our main characters, uh, most of them are British or Irish. Wow. that is, I've just got my mind completely ripped open. Yeah. They, I mean, I was gonna, that was going to be my question to you was, you know, I can't always pick up when an accent is an American accent is being done badly by a British person. But if you couldn't pick it up, then that sounds like they all pulled it off pretty well. Well, I had no idea um Ruth was was Irish. That and and Lucy Griffiths who plays Emily. I I just that just that just blew my mind right out. Yeah. So um I mean I knew uh Joseph Quiggan from Misfits, uh, which is I've recommended to you before, and you should really check that out. Um, which was a British show about uh, 
people who are doing community service uh, sentences who end up with superpowers. Uh, and as I was reading up on that earlier today, turns out uh, Ruth Neger was also in Misfits in an earlier earlier season, and I'd completely forgotten her. But all of these, the British people, if you look at them, they started out in uh, like British soap operas and things like that. And yeah, so it, quite surprising. Well, I remember uh, Ca- the the character Cassidy. The yeah, you know, what's his last name? Uh. Cassidy, you mean the the no, the character? No, no, the the actor. Uh, I think it's Gwigan. Gwigan, okay, it, is how it's pronounced. Because I, I remember seeing him in Lockdown with um, yes. Guy Pierce, and he was great yeah. in that. Yeah, well, he he basically plays a, a non-vampire version of pretty much the same character in Misfits. He's got this kind of. Um, he just, you know, it's all um, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Uh, but uh, he he comes in in the, some of the, I think it's the, maybe the last two or the last series of, of Misfits. Uh, and he was kind of a standout character for being quite, you know, disgusting. But uh, definitely he's a, he, he stands out. And I think he stands out in this as well. Yeah. So needless to say... They've got some great uh, weapons in the arsenal of of Preacher. I mean, we've got... I really like Dominic Cooper when he was in Agent Carter. I'm a big fan of that show to begin with. Of course, it's now gone. So I was real excited to see something else um, with this guy as the lead. Yeah, I mean, I I saw him in there was like uh, British films Starter for Ten and the History Boys and stuff like that, and you know he's been in Warcraft, so he's been in a big thing. But I think this is a real sort of starring role uh, for him. Oh yeah, I think so, definitely. Um, so yeah, so we we've got the going back to what happens, uh. It's an it's an odd setup, but yet yeah, you have this um, sort of failed preacher with a, a dark past who is on the verge of giving up, and uh, something comes down uh, into him, and he doesn't blow up like all the other people, and uh, he doesn't quite realize what's happening at first. But yeah, I mean, it's there's an an odd sort of feeling to the series and i can't quite put my finger on what it is and it's a sort of the there's it's supposed to be set in you know a real a real world um environment but everything's sort of heightened and obviously extremely absurd things happen right like and people yeah for example like in this town in texas there's you know the uh the two mascots in the town will get into fights. Like, it's it's a known thing that that's going to happen. I, uh, yeah, I like the fact that the mascots n- never are not in their mascot clothes as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's this sort of heightened comic bookish reality. Um, and, you know, I was trying to think about it, and I it, it reminded me a bit of Twin Peaks in that sense, that, you know, there's... Ostensibly looks like the real world, but there's just sort of this weird twist on it. And you know, people discover that there's things like spoilers, vampires, and you know, nobody really bats an eye at that. Uh, and yeah, I, I decided it was like if, if it was Twin Peaks, but it had been directed by Edgar Wright or somebody like that instead. Ah, that's a great way to look at it because I've always. When I was in film school, like I always, I was, I was wrote a paper about kind of how Twin Peaks was almost like a super soap. It 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 was a soap opera, but it, it lacked. It, it's it was really hard to pin down, but I can I can see where where you're making the connection where this, you know, it, it's these cliffhangers I think especially, but the these these characters that are kind of a little bit more colorful than your typical uh, characters in a town. And they, they seem to either have these 
heightened idiosyncrasies. Like, for the example, Quinn Cannon, who's played by Jackie Earl Haley. Well, what does he do in his off time? He reconstructs uh, these the, the, the fight um, Custer's Last Stand. Or no, the Alamo. I'm sorry, the Alamo. And listens to uh, his cows being butchered. I mean... Yeah, and the, there's... Uh, in the comics... I, so I hadn't read the comics before, and I read some of them earlier today. And there's some slightly more disturbing things that he does in the comics. Uh, not jump, not wanting to jump ahead, but, you know... Uh, We'll come to come to some of the stuff that he does later on, but yeah, he he sits and listens to the um, the the animals being slaughtered as as his sort of relaxation. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I think it's also I think Garth Ennis he worked on Judge Dredd and lots of two thousand AD British stuff, and it, and I don't know if that makes this uh you know feel familiar to me in that sense it's kind of um i don't know if this is a this this would work as a as a mainstream american comic no and i think because it it lacks something that in most uh, i want for lack of a better term like sitcom it just doesn't have that i mean it's like the town with no name but it's really it does have a town what is the name of the town but um the it, it's almost like it's a world unto itself. It happens to be, you know, located and there's nothing around it. Yeah, it's like one of these things that if you discovered that it was actually in some bubble on an alien spaceship heading, you know, through the, the galaxy, you wouldn't be at all surprised. No, no. Um, not that I think that that's what's about to happen, but um, yeah, so it we have this, this, this setting um, and they they gradually they so we introduce the preacher and the fact that he's fed up and he's got an assistant who's clearly infatuated with him to a certain extent um and the, one of the first scenes that um happens is that after the after he's given a rather unsuccessful sermon and everybody's sort of sitting around in the sun outside uh the this kid comes up to him and says, basically, you know, his dad is hurting his mum and he wants uh, the preacher to take care of him, you know, and he's he he's heard that the preacher has, you know, something of a, a colourful past. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and the preacher's initially, he's like, you know, well, son, this is a sin for you to even be asking me this. And about five minutes later, he's like, so how much do you want me to hurt him? You know, and starts to sort of detail what can go, what will happen, and you know, then probably his mates will get involved, and and yeah, so it, I think they're quite good in setting up uh, that that you know, there's more to the more to this preacher than meets the eye. Well, and then uh, we find out that that they put a twist on on that, which is that his mom kind of likes it rough. And that was really uh, kind of a, a an oddball shocker. Yeah, I mean, I like that as the twist of it, you know, when he goes and tries to do the right thing and talks to the, the local sheriff and then talks to her and, and she basically says, this isn't a problem. Um, but I think that totally eclipsing his introduction, we then have two introductions that come up. We have Cassidy, who is working as a bartender on <laughs> some fancy jet uh, that apparently is full of vampire hunters that have lured him onto this jet. Um, and because he, he discovers some uh, scrolled on Bible in the toilets and, and realizes that he's been set up. And he then proceeds to take them all out in an extremely comic book violence manner. Uh, ending up with one of them with a, a champagne bottle shattered and sticking in his chest, which he then uses to top up a glass full of blood before he jumps out of an aeroplane, you know, at 30,000 feet without a parachute. Right. 
And I, that, I think, was the point where I was like, okay, this isn't the show that I was thinking it was. And clearly, this is going to be crazier than I imagined. Very much um, so. That, that, that scene, though, it, it seemed so odd to me in placement. It, when you look at it in, in, the, in the season length, you had to give him, you had to have him do that. So you understood kind of what he was, even though you really don't know that he's a vampire at that point, I don't think. Well, you're, you're also at that point, I assumed he was going to be the the antagonist for the season. Exactly. You know, I didn't think I didn't think he was going to be the you know the 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 comedy sidekick, as it were. And uh, so at that point, yeah, it was like even I think through the end of the first couple of episodes, I was still not sure if he was going to be a. a a good guy, or if he was like, is he a vampire? Is he the devil? You know, it wasn't clear. Yeah, I kind of uh, thought maybe he was the devil. I, I just, it was just, it was just oddball in that respect. And especially then you see him eat a cow to heal himself because he basically made a crater in the earth. Yeah. Um, and then to try and top that even further, we have the introduction of Tulip. And I think we cut to her and there's a fight going on in a car. The car's swerving out of control and going through a field of corn and all this. And by the end of her introduction scene, she is basically MacGyvered up a bazooka and shoots down a helicopter and all sorts of things. And then there's the kids who come out who have been cowering in the basement and uh, she... You just they just see the the wreckage of of this battle and like the people with the the toy soldiers that were fired out of the bazooka embedded into their heads and things <laughs> um and yeah that it was like okay, so we have clearly we've got three interesting characters here, and we don't know what their relation to each other are um but it, I think that sets it up well for, for the rest of the show. I, I totally agree, because it, it, it gives you the big three and then move, starts to move forward. Then you're introduced to characters like, and I had no idea his name was this, but Arseface, by, uh, portrayed by Ian Coletti, who may be one of the most disturbing characters <clears throat> visually, um, he is the sheriff's son, and we think that it's some sort of monster. He's the the sheriff is is creating this concoction of raw meat, vegetables, and whatnot, blending them together. And he goes upstairs, very you know, long passageway, and we think we're going to just see an absolute monster. And he hands it to him this concoction with a straw, and here is this boy, teenager who has uh, <clears throat> shot himself and didn't kill himself, but is left with the remnants of a uh, very scarred hole for a mouth. And it is very disturbing. And that has been toned down a bit from, the, from his appearance in the comics as well. Now, how so? Uh, um, I'm trying to think how to describe it, but it's just a bit more... He doesn't have as quite as much face um in the comics uh but yeah and it's interesting because we you know we become we're instantly sympathetic with this character and then we discover later on in the season that he's actually done you know pretty bad things himself correct um, yes. and i think that seems to be a, a thread through most of the the series that um almost nobody gets out of this with a moral high ground no, you're right. I mean, everybody has this this seam in them of well. I mean, maybe you could even put it to you know there are there are sinners among you. You might be on the the well. Everybody here has has something to hide or a a a, a shade about them. Yeah. Um. And we we also get we get another fight immediately after that where uh. Eventually, uh, Donnie hears that uh, the preacher's been going around 
asking um, about him and and his wife and challenges him in a bar Oof. and uh, it basically uh preacher says that uh you know at the end of this you're going to make a high pitched squeaking sound kind of thing and they just build up to the point where where um he does this uh and then, and that's quite you know that's again demonstrating that he's not he's not just um you know the, the son of a preacher man and he's been off uh uh we we as we find out later you know he's he's basically been a a bank robber and a general uh yeah criminal. I, you know and and as we go through you know there are some very interesting costume changes and things that this town enjoys and our our guy Odin Quincannon um has he seems to be expanding his territory for his he does what power and cattle that's like his the, the two yeah, I th- pillars the, of his the, business and i think that yeah it's the the um the power plant is run off the the waste products of the the slaughterhouse seems to be the general idea i think it's the the methane gas which also becomes a plot point later yeah quite a huge plot point that i don't think many of us were expecting no, and um, that's. I think that's that was probably one of the disjointed things, maybe about the season. If you're going week by week, it's very hard to 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 pull these threads. But looking back and and taking a step back and looking at from a higher atmosphere, they did some interesting things with giving us these nuggets of story that may not be fulfilled upon in until a few episodes later. Like, for example, going back in time to a, or what we think of as back in time, I should say, uh, with this cowboy who's out to help his children and get medicine for them. This is like in the 1800s. Yeah, and and they, they drop these things in and don't explain it. And then, you know, five or six episodes later, you might actually get more. Um. But yeah, so at the end of this episode, we have the sort of the the, the main reveal, as it were. So uh, Jesse's at the point where he's told everyone that he's going to quit and, you know, he's not cut out to be a preacher. And he has a a talk with God and says, you know, give me some answers or, or that's it, I'm done. And he hears nothing. He says, right, you know, thought so. Right. And... Then the this mysterious force appears um and goes into him and he doesn't explode. And later on he's like throughout the episode we've had one of the parishioners who's come up and is having trouble with his mother, um, his elderly mother, and he's been annoying him throughout the whole um episode. And he says, Look, what you need to do is you need to uh, go, you know, be honest with her, tell her the truth, and open your heart. Ugh. And, and, uh... Which sounds like logical, great advice, correct? Yes, but I think anyone who's, you know, um, had three wishes from a genie knows you have to pick your wording very carefully. And he, he doesn't realize that he just, uh, ought you know, automatically uses this power, uh, and you know it, it's it's a booming voice in the in the show. In, in the comic, his eyes go red as well as he does it. Um, but we get the scene of the guy going off uh, immediately, boarding you know a flight, going to see his mother in a in a um, retirement home, and you know he explains very rationally that he feels bad how he's been treated by her and you know he's her only son and she should respect him more and this would make him really happy and all that and then of course he produces the uh insanely long knife and cuts his heart out in front of her and uh holds it out as he dies and you realize that the the preacher has a power and and is gonna need to be using this slightly more wisely 
and so it, and this this power seems to have kind of uh it's like a 50-50 shot of because we find the power is the well what is it the the offspring of an angel and a demon and yeah. has both this un, like this this great good side and dark side and it doesn't know which way to go half the time and so it 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 can it can be a, a force of positive or completely go uh backwards on what you're expecting yeah so i mean i think uh I guess for the rest of this, we could, should look at sort of like highlights and scenes and stuff that come throughout this the, the thing. Because if we do all 10 episodes, we're going to be here for Yeah, three we can't hours. do that. We can't do that. Because we want people to watch. Yeah. Um, but th- there's just, there's bits in it. That, so like, um, in, I think it's episode four, you've got the cold open of the, the, the girl in her underwear running through the streets you know, very eerily deserted streets. Oh, yes. And uh, eventually, you know, she's pursued by all these men with guns and they're all, you know, they've all got uh, lights on their helmets. So you get this sort of weird scene of her running through the, um, you know, the darkness with all these people pursuing her. It's the dangerous game. It's gross. We're, I mean, are we hunting people? What? Yeah. And it was like, so... This is just like, what the hell's going on here? And it turns out it's just a, in quotes, a game being played uh, with the uh, customers of the um, local brothel. Uh, and they're using paintball guns and stuff. And uh, in fact, somebody dies uh, anyway. But it's just that these kind of like just surreal scenes that um, crop up every, every now and again. Um, and so the, uh, the we have the the characters of the the two angels, um, Fior and De Blanc, I think. Yes. Um, and they are they turn up at the end of, of the first episode, and they've been um, going around all the sites where the all the sightings of of this energy and the exploding uh, preachers, uh, and it turns out that. They are the angels who were in charge of this uh, angelic demonic uh, force uh, and allowed it to escape. And they have been, they've gone on, gone rogue and they're trying to uh, catch it and return it to heaven. uh, And of of course, yeah. And you, and you keep that kind of thing in a coffee tin. Yes. Um, and it's traditional to lure it out of the body with some, um, what sounded like a Nordic folk song or something. Um, and yeah, they, they again are interesting characters and, uh, they have this, uh, literal phone to God, uh, with them. And they're like, you know, they clearly they they they've they've messed up and they are trying to put things right, uh, but you know they're not they're not opposed to chainsawing somebody in half to to get this uh, entity out again. Uh, but the the interesting thing with them is that when they die, they just immediately reappear, you know, um, but the bodies remain. Which leads us to one particular episode where it is an absolute blood fest. There is yes. another angel that we find that is working counter to them, trying to... I, I don't know exactly what she her, her role was, but um, almost to, to circumvent them and get um, the Genesis sound back. Well, my understanding is that she's a seraphim, which is like a higher management in the angel world. So uh, would be senior to those two. So whether she's uh, officially trying to hunt them down or what, I'm not sure. But yes, yeah, so we get this fight between the three of them. Um, I think Jesse was there too, uh, where 
you know, they're getting killed and then the bodies are staying and then they immediately come back and the fight continues. And by the end of it, we just have this mass of bodies has built up. Inside of a very small hotel room. Yes. Um, and, And that to me, I thought that scene was... Um, the equal to a number of the things that we saw in Daredevil, you know, just in terms of the way it was done and the, the sort of inventiveness of it. Yeah. And but, I mean, but there was this this macabre humor about it, because at the same time, you they, they tried to say, don't kill her, just, you know, weaken her enough, but don't kill her. And so it, it, they're trying to get through that particular <clears throat> um, uh, hoop. So that they can keep her at bay, but and do what they need to do. So she would be kind of like, you know, just kind of bleeding out slowly. Yeah, and in the end, I think they chainsaw her arms and legs off and leave her in the 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 bathtub, which is particularly grisly. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that's some that. So I've heard two sets of well, three sets of criticisms against this show. Uh First is from people who really loved the original comics in the 90s and don't like the fact that this is not a really a direct adaptation of those at all. Um, and in fact, the this series ends pretty much where the comics start. Uh, and the, the second set is from the people who just couldn't handle the, the over-the-top uh, gore um, and violence. Because you know this is this is a step beyond um, you know some like the the, the other Marvel and DC things because right. you, it, you, know, it, you it's, see it's de- yeah you have the kingpin smashing a guy's head with a door this goes well above that level yeah um, and I think it goes so much you know it's more towards think something like Evil Dead you know that kind of Sam Raimi style chainsawing your hand off. Uh, type thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and but obviously that have people have been people um, who consider the entire show I- extremely blasphemous. Uh, there you go. At, and yeah, it's it's not for it's not for them definitely. Um, I, yeah, you know, I can speak to the first one, which is when something is precious. Like for comic book readers, and I'm not saying this in a, it, I'm just, I don't need hate tweets, but sometimes things can get too precious and just be happy that it got adapted and it, you actually get to see it. But maybe if it's not for you, okay, leave it alone. But sometimes things get too precious for people and they just can't. But, but as a viewer who never read the comic, I was very intrigued by this character and to find out that this was all preamble to what the uh, comic book user comic book uh, readers, you know, already knew. I thought that was kind of cool. I really liked how the season ended as where comics start. I thought that was, that was, it got me invested into the world without being slapped right into it. Yeah. And we'll get to the very end in a little bit um but you know there was just lots of details and you know there was the so there was the part where um cassidy uh is proving that he's a vampire uh to jesse and sort of stands out in the sunshine and bursts into flames and stuff and he's recuperating over the next couple of episodes and uh Tulip ends up looking after him and feeding him. I mean, she'd already tried to kill him earlier in 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 the series, but uh, she's feeding him wild animals and things to get him enough blood that he can uh, recover. And it turns. And at one point, uh, I think it must be like episode eight or nine or something. Emily ends up looking after him instead while she goes off to do things. And she's sitting there watching, I think it's Psycho on the television. And there's some speech about, about how you can get trapped um, in things. And she's been having this sort of relationship with the, the, the mayor 
and clearly has no feelings for him, but... Um, but the mayor she, is totally in love with him, or with her, I should say. Yeah. And uh, she just snaps or something and uh, leads him into the, um, into the vampire's den, and he, he is killed. And that is entirely on her. And she was the last person I was expecting to to um, have this dark side to her character. Yeah, I actually thought she was going to, you know, she had that little bit of a streak where, you know, yeah, she'll, you know, spend a little time with the mayor to make him feel good. I thought that was the extent of where she was going to be. Yeah. And Um, yeah. And yeah, so other scenes that sort of stick in my head, we have the, um, oh, what am I thinking? Oh yeah, so we've got uh, Jesse. Um, he's throughout this, the 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 episodes. He's been gradually using his power and realizing that he has it, and he's decided that what he's going to do is he's going to fix all the town's problems and bring people to God, and that's why he's been given this power. Which seems and, like a very altruistic thing to do. He's, he's, you know, in a sense, he's going to be a hero. And on the face of it, it's altruistic. And then as things go on, it's like he, he seems to be enjoying the fact that he's, you know, succeeding. And like where his church was almost empty at the, at the start, of the, start of the series. You know, he, he's filled it to the point where he's had to put seats outside and a loudspeaker. Um, and he decides that he is going to fix, uh, Eugene's problems as well. And Eugene, as it turns out, um, was, uh, into a girl and she was not into him. So he shot her, putting her into some, uh, coma and losing most of her, um, skull in the process. Oh, that was just rough to look at. I, I, you know, no one was expecting it. She looked like she was just in a kind of a coma. Um, and she apparently has more of a wig on and that wig comes off and oof, Wow. And, uh, understandably her mother wants nothing to do with Eugene and, uh, uh, Jesse decides that he will just fix it and says, you know, forgive him and eugene is the one person i guess who does come out of this uh with the 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 whole shooting um uh the object of his affection uh apart from that uh because he says to jesse that no this is wrong this you know what you're doing is wrong that it's too easy and you know people have to forgive you naturally and they have to come to god naturally And Jesse gets very upset about this and he's shouting at him and he says uh, the fateful words. He says, you know, go to hell, Eugene. And Eugene literally goes to hell. Um, and uh, he spends the rest of the, the, uh, the rest of the time feeling pretty bad about this and trying to come up with any way to get him back. Uh, yeah, I was not expect. I, you know, when that happened, I said, oh, no, he did send him. And from there on, uh, he plays kind of a conscience to Jesse. Yeah, well, I mean, Jesse, like, uh, tries to make a deal with God and says, if you send him back, you know, I'll never use this power again. I realize that, you know, I, I've made a mistake here. And... uh and lo and behold, he, he crawls up through the, the broken floor of, of the church. Uh, and we have a good, you know, a good sort of five, ten minute scene with him. And then there was some slip about a piece of knowledge that he didn't actually know. And he's like, oops. And it's not actually him. Whether this is like some just guilty conscience or is some... That's how more- I read it. That's that's exactly how I read it. Uh, but, you know, in this show, it could be, you know, some more paranormal uh, manifestation, his ghosts or whatever. Um, and it's never explicitly made clear. 
And, well, and uh, Jesse then is really trying to make, you know, he decides, okay, <clears throat> some of these things aren't working. So I'm going to the major player, Odin Quincannon, and I'm going to make him a believer. If I can make him a believer, then number one, I can bet my church against him because he wants my church. He wants the land. And that way, like, everybody knows he's awful and he wants nothing to do with God. Yeah. And so he makes the bet and he gets him in the church and he uses his power and says, you know, you must serve God. And it seems like it's going fine. And and it turns out that Odin has become fixated on the god of meat. and. We get a, a scene later on, uh, which is, again, one of the, the more disturbing ones, which is, so we, ter- we find out that Odin's entire family die in some ski lift accident. Um, and this was back when uh, Jesse's dad was the preacher. And his dad is, is visiting, uh, and he finds Odin basically with the intestines with, oh. with like a, the, the body of a cow cut open next to him and he's covered in blood and then the 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 rows of coffins and it's uh implied anyway i think it was his daughter and he's holding up the two sets of intestines and he's like you know what's the the line it's something like which there's, is my daughter and which is the cow yeah there's no difference it's all meat that's right and oh and we have the scene later on where he has basically fashioned a, a new daughter for himself out of meat, um, dressed in clothing, and he's uh, sort of holding her. And in the comics, uh, I think it's his wife or something that he has fashioned out of meat, and he's not cradling her, let's put it like that. Oh, my goodness. So they dumbed that down, which yeah. I think we're okay with. Yeah. Um, but I mean, one of the things that we've not mentioned at all here is sort of Tulip's whole purpose for being back in town. Oh, uh, true, true. Uh, and she spends most of the series, she's trying to um, convince Jesse back into this life of crime uh, and also to get revenge on the person who set them up. And we get the, the backstory of that comes out very slowly. Um, and as it turns out, they were robbing a bank with this guy, Carlos, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, Carlos sets them up and uh, Jesse has to kill a guard to get out of this situation. And as it turns out, uh, she's pregnant with his kid and loses the kid. And that's why the, there has been this sort of hostility between them and why he's presumably why he's gone off to seek god and uh and all that but it's just that that her her sort of frustration at him you know trying to uh, be the good guy and uh that's played throughout the whole the whole show and she she is uh i mean i think both uh, joseph griggan and ruth negger are the 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 best uh, acted roles in the whole show well, and um, you know, there's this subtlety that she brings that she's in love with him, and he loves her too. But they, but they won't cross that path, and they won't um, act on it at this point. You can tell, but you can tell there's so much tension between them that it makes it very interesting of of what is this story because they've known each other. We know that they were involved in some crimes, and all she wants to do is kind of get closure because she's found Carlos and just wants Jesse to go with her, get revenge, and then we can move on. And maybe they can, you know, that's the the, the wedge between them. And we also have um, Cassidy has fallen for Tulip, not knowing that she was involved with Jesse. And we have Emily, who's really fallen for Jesse. And so whenever you get the interactions between those four, there's always a a sort of extra dimensions to it. Um, 
And yeah, so so we have that. And I'm trying to think what other sort of major plot threads that we have throughout this uh throughout the series. I mean, yeah, we've got the we have the 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 um the cowboy that we get more and more of uh his story and we get basically the same scene again and again uh dotted through the episodes. And it's not really clear until the end uh when yes. we discover that the reason that we're seeing this again and again is because the cowboy is seeing this again and again and he's in hell. And, you know, he, because of the decisions that he's, he made, uh, he didn't get back in time to save his family. And, you know, he, he returns home with the medicine after having, you know, taken a, a beating um, for trying to help people. And, there, and his um, horse was killed. And his horse was killed. So he has to walk back. And by the time he gets back, his family are being, you know, pecked to death by ravens or something. And he is forced in this loop again and again to go through this experience uh, until uh, the, the loop is interrupted um, by, I think, I can't remember which of the two, whether it was, I think it was Fior, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. who turns up and, and offers him a deal that uh, if he, if he kills Jesse because they have singularly failed to retrieve the, the Genesis from him, um, if he kills Jesse, then uh, he can he can get out of hell. Now, what's interesting is well, why why the cowboy? Well, in his story, there is an awful, gross uh, personification of a preacher in this bar, and yeah. it seems as though. <clears throat> Now, this is where history defies me a bit, but there was a selling of, I guess, redskins, which would be Native Americans as a, a form of currency. Yeah. Which is, again, awful, and yet more real than most of the pieces in, in, this, in, this, uh, in this series. Hmm. Yeah, and and the preacher pe- plays a, a, a quite a part in him getting uh, uh, not being able to make it back in time for his family. So he's clearly going to have no great love for preachers. And so he, but there it is. He he has that. That's his motivation to for saying yes. Oh, I'll go after you, this preacher for you. No problem. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, unless there's anything else, we sort of head towards the the end run of this, where Jesse has been, well, f- the he's being pursued by uh, Kincannon's uh, men who want to bulldoze the, the um, bulldoze the church, and then he's also being pursued by the sheriff because uh, he sent uh, Eugene to hell, and he can't. You know, he hasn't been able to cover it up to the point. Uh, so he's on the run from everyone and he decides he's got one play left and he's got the the phone from the angels and he's got a hand of one of the angels and he decides that he's going to go for the ultimate uh, ceremony in, in his church and he's going to literally call God down uh, and... They're, they're all going to have a discussion. Oof. And so you have this scene where, you know, the, the, he's in the church and he's setting it all up and the church is obviously full and everybody's there. And uh, lo and behold, you know, dials the, dials the number and God appears on, on, on this Skype channel. And it's a very traditional sort of hokey, cliched, big white beard version of God. Very much so. And, that you know, everybody in the church talks for a while and, you know, people ask questions and so on. And then uh, God slips up on a detail uh, because uh, he says that Eugene is in heaven and Jesse knows he's in hell. And it becomes apparent that it's not actually God. And we he uses the voice on him and the guy is forced to admit that they were just covering and that God has in fact gone missing. And so everything is in chaos um, in heaven 
and everybody's and faith they, is completely shattered. Yes, everybody in the church and the 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 town descends into basically nihilism and uh every vice imaginable and you know like we see the shot of the 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 schoolgirls killing the bus driver who was uh, a, a pedophile and we have the um just so many so many things go on uh and one of the shots that we've seen f- through the series is of a a guy managing some safety dials you know homer simpson style uh at some mysterious facility correct and we we get the 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 scene where there's the um uh prostitute who is desperately trying to uh stop what turns out to be the power plant from exploding because um the the guy who was manning the controls uh is has died of an apparent heart attack or something well and, and he and he was very much uh on the phone with his with his wife and they seem to have a very um kind of cold relationship he wanted to do certain things she did not so when this hedonism uh breaks loose he decides to call for the prostitute which you know gives him a heart attack yeah and uh this turns out to be a fairly major plot point because the the underneath the town is this power plant based on the methane gas coming off the the slurry from the slaughterhouse and this just builds up and up and you see all these little um release valves dotted around the town start to sort of billow invisible um smoke or gas sorry and uh we've had the uh i think it's it's uh jesse cassidy and tulip decide whatever happens at the at the thing with god she wants fries so they're gonna go go off and get some fries so the three of them walk off and leave the town the the gas builds up there's an explosion and the entire town of everyone that we've been following for the whole 10 episodes are apparently killed gone wasted the whole thing just obliterated and that's that's a pretty ballsy move to make you know to spend 10 episodes on a show uh introducing all these characters you know some sympathetic some not sympathetic and uh apparently all dead uh the one person who's standing at the end of all this is the um seraphim angel who has been freed from her well she got freed i think before because the um, the sheriff um asphyxiated her but uh she walks out of this and then as she's walking out um a large hole is blown in her and we see the cowboy in the present day walking through the the wreckage of the town uh and the implication is that if you get shot by him that's it uh no no regeneration he seems to have some sort of uh superpower in and of itself yeah um and 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 that's it so we have the three of our, our three main characters are driving off into the sunset to find god um literally and uh presumably now being pursued by uh by the cowboy and that's pretty much where the comics start because in the comics what happens is the um the genesis comes down to jesse and as it goes into him it obliterates everybody um like the several hundred people anyway in the church die at that point. Whoa. And so it's basically, he is found, I think by Tulip in the wreckage of the church, surrounded by the, the skulls and skeletons of, of the townsfolk. And the, the sheriff isn't one of them. So the sheriff and Eugene and all that are, are still alive. Uh, but pretty much everybody else is dead. And that that's really the setup of the start of the series. So you have 
the town obliterated and they they head off. Oh, see, that just <clears throat> it's amazing to me. But now, but see, I again, I tell you, this season at least enriches you. Now, there were there are people that you're never going to see again. All right. So that's, you know, chapter point five. Um, Jackie Earl Haley is gone now, but I think it's satisfying to the setup of understanding who these characters are going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a, in a sense, it's, it's the origin story and, you know, we, we now going to go on and they're going to have their adventures. And I really hope that it's done well enough for AMC or Amazon or whoever that's been putting in the funding that we do get our second series. I think they've said that it's got a 13 episodes for the next series. Well, and you know, for those who that are, that are really upset by continuities being changed, I only walk you over to the walking dead, which has added characters, removed characters and changes, changed the, the, the timelines and, and plot lines um, from the comics. So just roll with it. Yeah, I, I, and I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's also people complaining and saying, oh, Tulip is no longer a white blonde, which I think is, you know, your standard uh, slightly racist complaint. But <laughs> it's just, yeah, I have, I have no time for people that have those kind of complaints. Uh, and yeah, I think, it, I think it's a, I mean... I was not invested in the comics, so you know I didn't I didn't have that um, feeling of whether it was a good or bad adaptation of the comics. But I thought it was a really interesting show, and I I definitely want to see more of it. Um, it's the 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 biggest criticism of it, um, and you know we we've heard people saying this is that it's just too slow, and it's like they had six episodes and then they got another four episodes and padded padded it out because there's a lot of there's a lot of people sitting around and things but i kind of think that that slowness actually adds to it you know the kind of sense that in in some episodes it's not always you know it's not always high action and there's just people sort of sitting around talking or not a great deal happening well and Um, it's you you don't get that a lot with well you do get it a lot with soaps where you yeah. actually have this, you know, you have to have that dialogue on the side or with these people to understand their motivations. And I, I think that's why I enjoyed it is because it, it's not as if the dialogue in these uh, longer, slower scenes isn't important. It is important. It, it's character building. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I really want to see, see what happens next. And I have only read, you know, the, the first sort of seven issues of the comic. Um, and I'm so part of me is like, should I read more to sort of get an idea of what might be going on or should I just leave it and, and be surprised as I was with, with this lot. And I think I'll probably leave it. I would, if I were to tell you what to do, I would tell you to leave it. Because I think I tried to do that with The Walking Dead, and I just got more confused. And then when something really cool happens in the comics that didn't doesn't make it to the show, you know, it becomes a real bummer. Yeah. So I mean, I'll I'll, I'll give you one thing from the comics, which I think is more intriguing than a spoiler. Um, it appears in the comics that Heaven seems to be a space station. Huh. Which, from the pilot, kind of sort of makes sense. Yeah. But I don't know any more than that. And I've just seen, like, one shot of sort of some space-based structure. Um, but that would be interesting if that's the kind of thing that we end up getting next time. Hmm. Heaven is a space station. But um, I think... I think that's us. I think hopefully if people have got this far, um, well, A, they've probably listened to the show. Uh, I mean, right. sorry, they've watched the show. Um, but, you know, uh, hopefully we've maybe encouraged some people to check this out that might yeah. not have already. Yeah, we've given you some nuggets. So if you stopped, let's say, at episode four 
and you thought, I can't go on any further. Maybe give it to five and, and see, see how it flows over and, and watch the entire season and then make a decision. It was, you know, it was weird because it was at a, an odd time in the season, in the year, but it, yeah. was, it was a nice thing that I could watch while some other shows weren't going on. Yeah. Um, I liked uh, just the, the one little aside was with Cassidy, who's got this rant throughout the entire um, series about hating the Big Lebowski. And there's like bits where they will like say to a, a room of people, so who, who likes the Big Lebowski? And everybody puts their hand up and thinks, I like the Big Lebowski. But apparently this was put in because Joseph Gwigan really likes the Big Lebowski. So they put it in to have his character say that he hated it. And just kept putting that in and kept adding the dialogue. Oh my gosh, that's great. Um, so I think I'll leave you with one other little tidbit that I saw um, to blow your mind, hopefully. Yes. Jesse Custer is an anagram of Secret Jesus. What? So I don't know if that's a deliberate or not. I haven't read any further than that, but I, I saw that. I think it was on IMDb, and I thought, interesting. That's fascinating. And just if you were to just plainly look, I mean, his name is JC. Very true. Wow. I, I, I have to think that there's some, some things in there. Oh, wow. Explosions. You did it. James, <laughs> you are Scotland's favorite son. You just blow minds for a living. I wish I did. <laughs> well, let's just say goodbye properly. James, it is always a pleasure to get your insight in, and hopefully I meet you again at season two, and maybe, just maybe, we'll have preached just enough to get some other people on our season recap. I, I hope so. Um, I definitely think this is worth, worth their time. Yeah, we just have to, to ask them, have they heard the good news? <laughs> well, we shall go on from here and we shall be our own preachers and we will see what we can do. Sounds great. <laughs>